gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome everyone to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. My name's Ross McLeod and today's show is about one of the greatest ever to lace up a pair of boots. We are going to speak today about the recently retired Cut Angle. But before we get to that and meet a panel of people I often tell you suck to their face, let's get the boring part out of the way, shall we? <laughs> Anchor, iTunes, Spotify and all good Android sites, that's where you can find our massive back catalogue of shows and interviews with WWE, ICW, TNA, World of Sport and Independent Talent. At Suplex Retweet is our Twitter, Instagram and Facebook handles if you fancy a chat or have your say on our shows or polls or debates. Get involved, let us know what you think. So, let's meet the panel. First up, an Olympic gold level medalist micro-host with the same hairstyle as a 2001 cut angle. Here's our analyst, David Hockney. You know what, I think that, that could have been a lot, a lot worse, so, but uh, it's good to be here, Ross. So from 2001 to 2002, next up's a man with a worse hairstyle than that wig cut angle wore in 2002. Please welcome Scott McLeod. <laughs> oh, I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> I tried putting gel in the day, I've made an effort. Next up is a man who deserves an almighty angle slam for ever giving that Glasgow Uni accent come to life David Campbell a platform to talk total bollocks on. Please welcome a man who actually beat the so-called goat of sweeps. Andy Mitchell. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, but it'd be a lot better if he wasn't on Twitter. Well, uh, David Campbell, he's changed, my pa- he's changed the uh, online stuff, so I can't even get access to it. <laughs> wow, how and, grateful was uh, He's a very, very <laughs> humble man, isn't he? And finally, for those hoping for Milkomania 2, you can forget it with this man about. He is the lacto-free EP, the man who says no thank you please to cheese, and he won't take a flutter on the butter. <laughs> It's Kwaku Aji. Yeah, I mean, thank you for that. You've redeemed yourself by saying that I once in a lifetime refused cake and I picked holes in you for that argument, not for saying, implying that I like to eat, but purely for saying that I like cake. When I'm allergic to it, so well done to you, Ross McLeod, for redeeming yourself. Wasn't this a wonderful note to start the show off on, isn't it? (laughs) So, we're going to talk Kurt Angle today. Uh, We're just going to have a wee run through his career. We won't be able to do it justice in 90 minutes because I think we can all agree he's possibly one of the greatest of all time, yeah. if not the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll just take a wee five minutes to talk about his, his post-gold gold medal career. I don't know if you lads are aware of this, but Kurt Angle won a gold medal. It's something... That did he have a broken neck? He did. A broken neck. Oh, right, yeah. It's not something WWE or Kurt Angle like to publicise, but yes, he won a gold medal. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so... That uh, is a damn true. Uh, he was offered... Yeah. He was actually offered the WWE contract in 1996, straight after the Olympics, and... Do any of you know the reason why they yeah, get turned out? he didn't want to... Because he said if he was on WWE, uh, he would have to win all of his matches. Yes. He, he, said, he refused to lose, yeah. Yeah, he said he was an actual wrestler and couldn't Do be... Do you know he trained at the Foxcatcher... Uh, thing, you know, the, the film Foxcatcher? Mm-hmm. The guy got yeah. shot. He was, he was getting trained by David... Uh, Schlouts, the guy who got murdered by John the Point. Yeah, I, I remember seeing something about that because he was like in the press, like wrestling's press that is, which isn't real press, yeah, it's like the sun. They didn't, <laughs> even, didn't even portray him in the film, even though he was a pivotal character. I think it's one of those ones, it's like if it's a pivotal character who went on, it'd be something good. Like, yeah. You can't really mention that person. Yeah. So he then had the contract offer removed because Vince McMahon doesn't play by those rules. Mm-hmm. And he went to ECW and he threatened to sue them if they released footage of his face. Does anybody know why he threatened to sue? Was it yeah. because of like a stunt that 
uh, Raven or Sandman did. Raven crucified the Sandman yeah. in front of a heavily. It's a quite a proud Catholic section of Philadelphia they were in at the time. Uh, sorry, Pittsburgh, I should say. Uh, Kurt Angle being the hometown boy and being uh, a member of the Catholic Church did not find that funny <laughs> and went, do not show me again, I will not be back. Because yeah, uh, Paul Heyman came out and said, and he said, I didn't know what was going to happen. He's like, if you don't even know what's happening, you're wrestlers, mm-hmm. then I don't want to be a part of something like that. Ravens since spoke out and said that if it wasn't for Kurt Angle being there and causing such a fuss, they would have just left it and like, we've pissed off the fans, that's, that's what we were meant to do. Yeah. But he came out and he apologised, but you see the, the clip of him apologising, he's just like, I'm sorry, it's like a way being told by his mum, apologise for stealing that Wayne's ball. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was the most half-hearted apology here, because he's like, no, I thought it was really good, because yeah. probably Sandman was a comic and he made the cross himself. Fuck's sake. Jesus Christ. Wow. Uh, so, after, a, a, not really sure what he did between times, I'm sure he, he wasn't exactly out of work, he was a sports in fact he was a sports analyst uh, from those that have seen his sports analyst career they've said, as good as he is at wrestling he's as bad as he is at sports analysis <laughs> <laughs> I might have to check this out uh, there's a couple of clips on YouTube, it's not the not the prettiest, so he was at home watching WWE one night and saw the Attitude Era you have to question his morals if he thought the Attitude Era was fine, but you know one stunt at an ECW show was fine. Like <laughs> it must have been a pretty tame episode of WWE if he watched. Like, yeah, if he wasn't watching the episode with the try to sacrifice Steve Austin. No, no, yeah, he was watching the crucifixion one. Was like, this is in better taste. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a better, a better made cross. It's just better workmanship. <laughs> I remember he was actually talking. I think it was a, a documentary that was aired before WrestleMania 19, and he was saying like. It wasn't something he was into at first because you know he was—it's all scripted and stuff—and what he did was was real and uh, sort of college level, like proper, proper like real wrestling. Um, but I think he sort of appreciated the fact that the guys who were in WWE at the time—they they weren't just like solid athletes, you know, they were great performers. And I think that's maybe that was what sort of changed his mind on t- it. Yes, he took a big shine to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, what's on you? No, 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 that was it. He phoned up Vince McMahon. Uh, he was put through to JR, who was head of talent relations, and asked if the offer was still there, and was told no, but you can try it like everyone else. And Triple H has said he's the most naturally gifted athlete he's ever seen. He's he's the only person to take to wrestling so quickly. He said, so I, I think that shows that. You know, do you think maybe coming in at the Attitude Era was better for him? Because he had much like right to censor were the heels. He was sort of this goody two-shoes American hero. He was very unsincere. But whereas 1996, it was kind of a transitional period. It was yeah. Doink yeah. the Clown and, you know, Duke the Dumpster Josie. When the time in 96, when they went to seeing him, they were also signing real athletes like Mark Henry, who just done the weightlifting, and Ken Shamrock. Ken last in the weightlifting. Uh, uh, <laughs> Dumpkin <laughs> the AFC, so... I think when they first debuted Mark Henry came in that All-American jumpsuit, I think that would have been the same thing they would have done for Kurt back in 96. I feel like with Angle, he, he could have fit in any era, because if they came in uh, just before Attitude Era, he would have been a hot babyface, and you know, and we see how good he is at wrestling anyways. Well, we say... Yeah. Uh, so. No, and uh, but essentially it just benefited with him being that heel, like the dorky, like I'm better than everyone else, and it just really fit his character. Yeah, it, it fit his character well, and I think in an age where, you know, a lot of the characters were quite edgy, uh, I think he sort of, his sort of goofiness added a bit of fresh air, you know, added a bit of contrast to the actor. You know, it's somebody who 
hey, this is somebody we could probably poke fun of a bit. Like, he was the perfect foil to like The Rock's comedy jock or Stone Cold beer drinking working man. He was not an elite athlete, he was just a normal guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, we talk about, Scott said Mark Henry had his, you know, his All-American gear on. The Patriot had his theme song. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just as well he debuted when he did. And he debuted against the great Sean Stasiak. Who I still hate. <laughs> uh, it's about, like did he, uh, on Twitter? he he unfollowed me on Twitter, and then he must have heard. He, he must listen to the show because then I went back in. Well, he had unfollowed me. <laughs> he hadn't unfo- uh, refollowed me, but he just blocked me, and I hadn't wanted any interaction with him. But <laughs> it's, he not did, just, it's not going to listen now. He knows you're hosting. I know. Yeah, <laughs> get him a shout out for the show. <laughs> no, screw him. Uh, so he did use. Uh, and the match really doesn't go his way, you know, like we said, it's the Attitude Era. He's dominating Stasiak because this is a showcase for him and the crowd do not like him. This is Rocky Maivia levels of hate, you know, the smile. He never learns Vince with a smiling baby face, does he? Mm-hmm. Actually, I heard from Angle that Vince told him, yeah, you're going to be out there. He gave him like, these promos to do, which essentially were heel promos, but he was made as if he believed he was a good guy. And Angle always said to him, like, like, they're not going to boo me, I'm an American, you know, like, well, this went, trust me, they will boo you. <laughs> I, I think it's the fact you came across as, like, condescending as well, just, because the night after, the, which was uh, Survivor Series 99, I think the next night was actually in Pittsburgh, yeah. and the fans were just <laughs> booing him like crazy. Because he was getting billed as a true athlete. Aye, so he's just saying, everybody else you like, this shit, he is good. Because <laughs> like, he was, like, telling the fans, you should look up to me, look, look how great I am. I'm your hero, you should be worshipping me. I think that's what... Because at the start of it, it's kind of like, uh, JR's kind of in his corner, and Jerry's, like, kind of taking the piss out of him, but then he hits the promo on the mic saying, you should not boo me, and it's kind of, that's a bit disrespectful for the fans, kind of thing, and that was just... Yeah, that's when they switched. Yeah. I always loved that, I loved how... JR and King switched allegiances so quickly, but yeah. then there was like one or two that they always loved, no matter who. <laughs> it almost reminds me of like how the New Day started off. You know, they were meant to be sort of cheery, smiley baby faces, and yeah. the crowd was just having none of it. And then that's what inspired a New yeah. Day heel turn. Yeah, Quacko sometimes talks about it with the way crime time was how Vince thought. People acted where the street prophets are a true representation. I think New Day originally were meant to be this gospel choir because Vince, Vince had watched. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, happy day! Vince had watched Sister Act on the band the night before and decided. But then obviously New Day worked when they had their true personality. Well, you could argue he's just a massive stereotype now. Yeah. Uh, so. He goes on a wee bit of a running, uh, a winning streak. He loses to Taz at the Royal Rumble 2000. It's that, that is an amazing match. Yeah. And he then he then turns it around on two uh, consecutive episodes of Raw. He defeats Chris Jericho for the Intercontinental title and Val Venus. My God, we've got a Val Venus reference on the show. I love wow. Val Venus. Val Venus is great. I remember Val Venus, yeah. They were in the same class when Kurt was training. They two and Edge and Christian were all in the same class. Mm. Mm. Val Venus clearly got the best of that. He was a regular on Sunday Night Heat. Uh, he won the European title for him, became the Eurocontinental champion. I, I thought he won the Intercontinental at No Way Out. That's yeah, he was the European was on Raw and then Intercontinental on... Uh, no way out yet. Was it? I yeah. thought it was the other way about it. Oh, my mistake. Uh, but anyway, he's won the Eurocontinental title. Uh, something I want to talk about here, he's WrestleMania 16 match against Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho. It's a great match, but it's sort of a thrown together match. Mm. This is something you see in the early years of Kurt Angle's career. WrestleMania 16, 17 and 18, which we'll get to in a wee bit. He's in sort of thrown together matches. He's so good throughout the year. 
but then he never has anything at WrestleMania. So he stopped, start, stop, start, stop, start. King of the Ring 2000. This is when Kurt Angle arrived, I think we can all agree. Mm-hmm. We're forgetting his nice show stealing match with the show star at Backlash. <laughs> like, big show dressed as Hulk uh, Hogan, even hitting the light drop and everything. Yeah, because uh, Angle went to, like, uh, I think he went to College Dawn and he was like, basically telling him to stop masturbating. Yeah. <laughs> big show star shows up and he's like, I love to masturbate. <laughs> so, condoms to people, apparently. Yeah, yeah it's just ridiculous. The attitude there, classy as always. <laughs> So, something I always like doing when we talk about King of the Ring winners is looking who they beat to get to the final. So, Kurt Angle beats Chris Jericho, which is a good start. Mm-hmm. Then he beats Crash Holly. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Parkour icon. And then he beats Rikishi. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a. If you, you could not have three more different superstars if you tried to beat mm. them the way it became really Kishi was hot that year as well after mm-hmm. like his uh, stellar uh, Royal Rumble performance. So yeah. I, I think we always look back badly, badly on Rikishi because of the whole he ran over Steve Austin. But during that year before yeah. he was he was like really hot. So it's kind of a good good match. I mean, he was lucky to win that tournament. I mean, you say you look doing it for Chris Holly being a easy opponent. Like Chris Holly all getting the mighty Bill Buchanan. Things could be different. This could have been the year of Bill in two thousand. <laughs> Thanks, Scott's talking about year of Bill. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rikishi, he's a dance icon, but you wouldn't trust him to valley park your car for it. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking Chris Jericho at the first round as well. I mean, that's like adds the shock factor as well. Like two people who would argue, you know, could win the tournament, yeah. you know, they're put against each other in the first round and you think, oh, you're going to lose a favourite early. I think that was a good way to book him as well. Did uh, Stephanie get involved in things? Jericho and said we'd had a thing for about a year or so. It kept Kurt going strong going into the finals and it gave Jericho his story going because he would fight Triple H at the next pay-per-view. Yeah, Stephanie gets involved and he, she actually becomes a big part of Kurt Angle's career. Like from even up until WrestleMania 34, mm-hmm. uh, but that sort of kickstarted at that King of the Ring tournament, and that's it was a weird tournament in whole because Chris because uh, Rikishi was built as the overcoming babyface. He was attacked and injured by Ben Warren round one. He was attacked after the bell by Valvinus. He looked like he was going to win, and then it was just sort of like. Oh, Kurt Angle won. Like, I think we all knew Kurt Angle was winning, but then yeah. the storyline in the event was like, oh, this is going to be Rikishi's night. I think, as you said, 2000 was Rikishi's year. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we go from King of the Ring 2000 to the love triangle with Stephanie McMahon. A bit of a weird... He, he doesn't come off well here. He kisses another man's wife. Well, he's essentially, they're just friends, and it's kind of like what he's actually like sneaking around on after it, which is... Like, Sliding it in those uh, DMs. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Uh, I believe there was a bit of a point where Stephanie and Kefi would leave Triple H for, uh, for Kurt, but uh, it was one time Stephanie got more control in Korea, and Triple H basically whipped on here and went, like, would you really, people really buy you would leave a guy like me for a nerd like Kurt Angle? That's basically what the story is. Yeah, they, Someone's been wielding their sledgehammer a bit. The storyline. <laughs> Which one? Jesus wow. Christ. <laughs> um, so, this led into the triple threat match with. We talk about Miz being an afterthought with The Rock and John Cena. The Rock was an afterthought to Stephanie McMahon, yeah, yeah. Triple H, and Kurt Angle. The match goes 10 minutes before The Rock enters the ring. And Angle lands on his head when the announce table yeah, gave way. To, to improvise it, didn't they? With him yeah, that's a nasty bump. You should always remember it and don't try this at home, but who has a table like that at home? So. <laughs> 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 well, your coffee table. <laughs> uh, so, as Scott said, Stephanie McMahon starts getting more control. Mm-hmm. We talked about stop-start. It felt very 
abrupt when Triple H beat my Unforgiven. Yeah, and then he basically like Undertaker just hammers him, and I think it was fully loaded, which made him look like a jobber. Yeah, he hammered him fully loaded, but then yeah. uh, the next month he beats The Rock. The Rock in his longest <laughs> run of WWE Champion. <laughs> a so, heartbreaking moment for you. And oh, your I hated that. Oh, I hated Kurt Angle growing We're up. We're here for you, Russ. Let it out. Let it out. Do not touch uh, me. I'm not here for him. <laughs> <laughs> Both of us are here for you. I, None of us are here for him. <laughs> I hated Kurt Angle growing up. This was, this was a, a horrible moment. I did as well. Like, like, it was just a, it's because he's just such an idiot heel. Mm-hmm. He was just like, oh, for God's sake. I just, like, it, just, it really annoyed me. I remember watching Norman and I was just like, what Kurt Angle one? That's, this, is just, this is so bad, kind of. Yeah, I hated him and you know the thing is see when my, I say my dad watched wrestling it was one TV growing up so <laughs> my dad gets, my dad suffered through it uh, and it was like Kurt Angle would say things like you've hurt my feelings and all that and you just hear my dad go shut up you wimp <laughs> Davey shouting at the telly again no, I always liked the promo before that it's the pre-recording where he's interviewing The Rock yes <laughs> all the different editing edits <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to quickly say I like the story because Triple H kind of tried to he was in the booking wasn't he and he was trying to they were saying oh we're going to put the title on Kurt Angle and he was like oh no he's not a legit champion and Gerald Briscoe who was like into like amateur wrestling was like well if you and Kurt Angle was in a real fight who would actually win and <laughs> Triple H just shut up and that was kind of the decision to make him the champion brilliant so he becomes WWE champion he beats The Rock <laughs> you, you, you a, a little bit of you just died inside, didn't it? Oh, I did. <laughs> still hurts all these years later. Don't be afraid to cry. 19 years later, still hurts. <laughs> and this section of the, sh- the show is actually called Ups and Downs because his WWF title run was sort of a weak champion. He was destroyed again by The Undertaker at Survivor Series. He won a couple of the UK pay-per-views by uh, help from Edge and Christian and the mm. Radicals. Something as well, I think, that shows how little faith they had him as the top guy at this time. When you go back and watch the Armageddon Hell in a Cell, Stone Cold enters last because he's the draw. The Rock's the second guy. He enters second last. Kurt Angle enters third. It's Rikishi and Triple H that enter first two. Then Kurt Angle, the WWE Champion, enters. Like, he either enters first or last. Mm-hmm. Like, surely he has to enter first to watch them all come in, yeah. and like, they all just swarm them. Third is just such a. Is it true to say that they didn't have much faith in him at this point? Probably not. I think he was kind of a base order because I think they already knew that the big main event of Mania X7 was going to be Rock Austin because they were the, still the two big stars at that point, and Angle was kind of a placeholder. And something is even more shows how little faith they had in him. The storyline for his match with the Rumble with Triple H. It's more about in the video package about Stephanie and Trish Stratus, not like each other than these two. Mm-hmm. And really, we would say, you're only the champion because I've allowed you to be like, you were in that hell in a cell but why is you allowing in that match as well? Mm-hmm. You could have easily pinned anybody in that match. And could have easily pinned The Rock like he did because The Rock had just been stunned. It's kind of like in 2011, 2012, you know, the main feud going ahead was going to be John Cena versus The Rock, while Miz is just standing there like a third wheel and he's the WWE champion. It just... Uh, Yep. Again, it just made him feel like a, a placeholder. It was just it was it was sort of place in that match. We've got everybody else. Well, so was Rikishi as well, but uh, it sort of turned around there with Rikishi. I know. <laughs> but uh, no, he just well, it was just a, such an afterthought. You were thinking he's not getting out of here alive. He's not coming out as champion. And he did. Yeah, and it was sort of a flat ending as well. Because yeah. that was like the final boss of like wrestling. The six man hell myself. It was funny you mentioned Rikishi. We talked about obviously. You look at. The, you know the fat dancing man gimmick at that time you like 
it'd be great to see him as WWE champion. And as soon as he became a serious heel, it was just like no one wants to see you in a match. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Kane in there, rather than Rikishi. Only on. See, I think Kane and Jericho were used to pad out that card because you see when they put the six big guys, it's like. Oh god, uh, 2000, end of 2000 is not a good time for us, we have a lot of injuries. Well, Lee had to use issues to deal with, I mean, it wasn't just a bit coffee. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, it's getting made references in the game. Oh, I almost forgot that if you'd started over a spilt cu- cup of coffee. Uh, can I ask you, do you think it's maybe due to Vince McMahon's dislike of actual amateur wrestling that maybe he was booked in this manner? No, I think so. I think it's just he wasn't I think, a proven guy yet because he would have a few more runs with the belt. So I think it's good he wasn't proven as a top guy yet. Like a lot of people's first runs aren't the best, but then they get a better run later on. I think you know the the goofiness. I think he just needed something to like maybe counteract his sort of crazy violent side to the attitude era. You know, everybody just goes goes ham on each other. But then you've got a guy who's very sort of he's got morals about him. He's a hard worker. He's a people's representative and I think putting him in that goofy role kind of maybe puts him out of place a bit maybe just see how he reacts but it just creates a bit of a, a weird dynamic but maybe he just likes you know testing this sort of stuff okay. uh, so justice was restored at No Way Out 2001 The Rock got the title back uh, it's <laughs> weird let it rock. go <laughs> <laughs> let it go uh, it's weird to think about but a week before Wrestlemania the former WWF champion did not have a match on WrestleMania. Like, can you imagine like one of the champions going into WrestleMania this year, Daniel Bryan brought Lesnar losing the title a month before, and then not being featured in a high profile match at WrestleMania? It's just it's not the done thing these days, but here we had a week before WrestleMania, Ben Wall, Kurt Angle was kind of thrown together. This led to a few hey, well, Survivor Series and Jinder Mahal. Don't. Yeah, I mean, Don't, I wouldn't put Jinder up there with Kurt to be honest with you. That was justified. I mean, Kurt, no, knows, Kurt doesn't even know Jinder's name. He announced him as Jinder Mayhal. I think the thing with Survivor Series as well, though, like if you don't have a brand v brand match, like mm. Mm. I know, I was, I, was, I need a, I was, I was just trying to pop him. Yeah, and it worked. You need a convincing champion for both brands as well, and you know the original plan. Just see, see what I mean. You've well, you've it's, 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 it's like you've hit, it's like you've hit a button, and it's like the, it's the big red button on Dave. There is no stopping this. The, sh- the show's never rant about Jinder Mahal. Where's, where's my pyro? <laughs> so. This becomes a sort of one-up feud. Uh, it's a. Uh... <laughs> sorry, sorry. Ross is laughing because I just threw a fishing rod to David, and with little Wheeland, uh, he came right in. Continue, Ross. Oh, <laughs> uh, so he um, Ben Wolf, you died. <laughs> he, uh, he said since that when this match was put together, he knew he'd get a great match out of Chris Ben Yeah. And that he knew he was determined to go out there and make sure his match was the best match on the card. A lot of people were putting that as like one of the top ten matches of WrestleMania. Well, obviously, they can't talk about it now, but yeah. And that that was the uh, same week as WrestleMania 19. It was like WrestleMania's top ten matches, and this was going into like Mania 20. And yeah, number ten was this match: Angle versus Benoit. It's a great match. It's certainly. You, you look at that card top to bottom, this certainly stands out as the best pure wrestling match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you need matches like that because you've got like, the street fight and the TLC match and stuff like that. You need stuff to balance it out. 
And it, did, it did sort of turn into a brawl, sort of halfway through, but there was a lot of really solid mat technical wrestling at the start. It was a good feud. I think at that point it was like I started to feel sympathetic towards Corangle because when he gets when he gets his uh, medal stolen and it's just yeah, because Bill Moore puts him down his trunks. Yeah, a hell of a feud with Benoit with those gold medals as well. Like, yeah, did it not end up as nine, two or three falls, and it was like pinfalls only, submissions only, and then it ended with a ladder match. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, they had the thirty-minute ultimate submission match. As oh well. gosh, when's the last? Is that the last ultimate submission match that there's been? It was only the only been the one. It's basically an Ironman match, but just submission. Just submission moves. Yeah. yeah. Who who stuffed uh, his gold medals down his? Clearly the worst thing Chris Benoit's ever did. The views of Ross do not reflect the views of Eat Sleep Suplex Free Sweet. Because this helped show like the two different sides of angle. Like you had the silly side, but this is where where you start to show that wrestling machine that we hear about and the intensity of it. Like, like even though it's only six days later, Benoit, the thing on Raw where he made Angle tap out the crossface, even though it wasn't official match, but you see before that Angle and Taylor just focus on thing like didn't count. It didn't count if it wasn't a match, because he has to be the best. Uh, best wrestler, that was what this thing was about being the best tech wrestler because guys like them and Jericho, who Benoit had a similar feud with the year before, that they were the wrestler, but everyone else was the characters. So he goes on, it's, got, it's good you mentioned this wrestling machine because he completely throws that away <laughs> to become cu- uh, Stone Cold BFF. <laughs> I'm surprised not mentioning the, uh, the King of the Ring match for Shane McMahon. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that in my notes yet. So Kurt Angle wrestles three times in one night for the third, eh, for the second uh, King of the Ring pay per view in a row. He doesn't win the King of the Ring, unfortunately, loses to Edge. Edge gets sort of away with it because he had such a good career after it. But he really did nothing with that King of the Ring. Yeah, mm. wasn't a great King of the Ring. He went, was a trophy that year as well, uh, and that sort of set up his feud with Christian because Christian it gave Christian something to break over him or something. Yeah, he went. I'm not going to Billy Gunn this, and they're like, you, you kind of did Billy Gunn. Like, <laughs> nothing with it. Ten years later, you did something. Uh, and another piece of you just died. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Stone Cold BF. Uh, sorry, Shane McMahon. The legendary wall that would not break. No, <laughs> the, the glass chain that wouldn't break. Yeah, and Shane basically very nearly died from that spot. <laughs> Shane, yeah, Shane, bad right, Shane said even that apparently he found later that Vince backstage was watching this that he very nearly just came out and stopped it because like at the end of the day it's his son mm-hmm. and goes like he almost threw it in the match and like. But, you know, when Shane being as stubborn as he he wanted to keep going. That is kind of a match. If someone says wrestling's fake or anything like, okay, just put on that match and believe. Mm-hmm. Watch this. Yeah. Wait, we know both like. Angle nearly, nearly ended the career of the best wrestler in the world. Because literally yeah. saying it's like. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. The best in the world! Shane McMahon! No, Quacker, do it with more gusto. <laughs> <laughs> do it the way I want it to be done. He didn't so, think she wanted to unroll. Yeah. I'm sorry, I love it. I love it. It's funny. So we get classic moments after this with Stone Cold BFF, Jimmy Crackcorn. Jimmy Crackcorn, and I don't care. <laughs> I won an Olympic gold. The cowboy hat. Oh, God, yeah, the yeah. cowboy hat. <laughs> Even though I wrestled me, he said in Texas, lose the freaking cowboy hats. <laughs> and we, this sort of led on to the start of the invasion. He was sort of, 
he was in Stone, even though Stone Cold doesn't want a tag partner, he's there saying to him, you know, I'm with you, I'm with you. He sort of became like a, an MVP of the of the Alliance uh, Invasion storyline. Because yeah, both were injured, so they had to, so all they could do is like, what, what do you do? And just put them backstage segments and they're just so funny. Uh, the night after the King of Ring, just quickly saying, it was like, <laughs> Austin's like saying that he had like a tougher night than what <laughs> Kurt Angle did because he had to face two people at the same time. I know, he's like, I fought three <laughs> people across the night. He's like, you're pathetic! <laughs> do you think... <laughs> Do you think if the um, uh, if the Rock couldn't return for the invasion, that Kurt Angle would have been like the the head guy for WWF against the Alliance? Definitely, could Probably, see that yeah, happening. Yeah, because yeah. he's been WWE through and through, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, and he, he yeah. Remember at the start of the career as well, he had a bit of a a lot of negativity to say about ECW. So having him sort of move over to the Alliance, it just didn't make any sense. I think the fact that he was the the mole, the thing that showed how dedicated he was. As much as I love The Rock being back, it was a case, when you look back at it now, the fact that Austin betrays Angle, who's been like his second in command, I think that would have been a better storyline because they did have the feud over the WWF title, you know, bringing it to... It's like a great match, that SummerSlam match. Mm-hmm. Great match, SummerSlam, Unforgiven, he gets his second run. That, do you know why he won the title? Because uh, it was in Pittsburgh, basically. Oh no, it was oh, the, no, 9-11? Yeah, to do 9-11. Yeah. yeah. Like, like <laughs> Vince... It is a nice thought by Vince, but I think he overestimates his own product yeah. when he went, America needs a nice moment. See, like, he should have won a title in SummerSlam that just felt like an afterthought when he won it. And, and the fact that he won it to give America a big up with the moment and was a complete player. So Vince went, all right, it's been four weeks, they'll be over it by now. I know, Vince. <laughs> We've got Vince. a story to tell. <laughs> like, back to him. But I do like, like I said before, his first one he maybe wasn't proven. I think this is where he finally proves he was worthy of a top guy because like, the night after the invasion we get screwed and he comes out to confront Austin Alliance the pop they gets is just unbelievable mm-hmm. where it's like he's the you know, the new hero of the WAF and he also interrupts Stone Cold Appreciation Night because Milk Mania <laughs> runs wild oh <laughs> yes and, and we've talked about this quite a few times the, uh, oh I love it so much it's it's JL's commentary going he's on the hard stuff no semi skim for Kurt Angle when he sprayed uh, Stephanie the million dollar princess is now the Dairy Queen mm-hmm. got milk he says and he's big serious Oklahoma and got milk I know it's, it's <laughs> God bless JR, he tries so hard to give it such legitimacy like the beer truck because yeah. it, it as well, it fits his character, the milk drinker because it sounds like, like an insult in Skyrim eat your, milk drinker. Your, eat your vitamins, drink your milk that kind of thing yeah. to the piss and lead up to uh, Armageddon to the piss to everybody did the angle. I'm going to drink a big glass of milk Take what he always says, he's going to go home and drink milk mm-hmm. and you know, it, sort of, it sort of fits with his goofy character a bit as well you know, Austin does the, the, the beer truck sort of stunt and then Angle as his sort of jokey second in command, he does something similar. I think that's I think nobody else could have pulled that off. Yeah. Get, get some revenge on Sean Stasia by throwing him in a milk truck. <laughs> <laughs> as well, right? He was throwing cartons as well before he got the hose out. Yeah. I mean I think if you don't get the context of the milk, it would more look like refer back to one of Serious questions on the WrestleMania quiz. It looked like the WrestleMania, the Raging Climax, the Raging Climax, <laughs> the ending of that. So Kurt Angle spraying everyone with his raging climax. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Sure, say another. So, so we go from uh, the invasion. He jumps over. He's un. Uh, he jumps back. He's the second in command. He turns heel straight after the invasion storyline. 
because he, him and Vince feel like people should be more grateful for the sacrifice he made. So he's like he was claiming credit for beating the Alliance, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was because he says the Rock says to him, it's like if the Alliance were the one who was says you, you would have just stayed with the Alliance. That's yeah. kind of why it's like I don't trust you. So just a quick rundown of his, his late 2001 start of 2002 he's unsuccessful he's knocked out in the first round of the Undisputed Championship Tournament won by Chris Jericho he starts a feud with Triple H uh, he's eliminated he finishes second in the Royal Rumble he then beats Triple H at No Way Out 2002 to become number one contender for the world title at Wrestlemania only to lose it again on Raw and this is for the third year in a row, he's in a thrown together match. I know it's your favourite wrestler, Scott. Oh, it's too soon, even though it was like ages ago. I actually don't. I remember watching the build up to this WrestleMania. I don't remember this ever being announced. Mm. And then when Kurt Angle comes out, I'm like, oh, is this a segment? Is it? And then Kane came out, I'm like, this a, was this announced? Was this like on heat? Like, what, what is happening here? Yeah, we're just really thrown together mm. last minute. It was like, we can't have a WrestleMania without Kane and Kurt Angle, like the peak of their powers, like, we need to get them on. It's, it's a shame, obviously. I think when people talk about Baron Corbin being a poor choice for a WrestleMania opponent, maybe look back at his early years at WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> He's like Braun Strowman now. I was going to say, do you compare Kane to Baron Corbin as a gang <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it makes a bit as much sense. Corbin made more sense. So... He continues the, the Vince McMahon second-in-command sort of storyline, he's the second draft pick. Uh, Vince McMahon tries to comfort him because he picked The Rock first, going, why didn't you pick me first? He goes, because I knew Rick wouldn't pick you. As if that would, <laughs> as, if, <laughs> as if that's a, like, a comfort, like, they I didn't pick you. you. Take I didn't want you because they didn't want you either. But now I want you. Uh, and then we made reference to the intro, hair versus hair with Edge. I think this is, a great match, a great feud, but at the same time shows his goofy side as well mm. and his willingness to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Because we seen him, we saw him grow up back in TNAs here. The entirety of his WWE run, before and after, he's never had a single hair on his head. He's committed to that role. How did it all start again? They were just how did the fallout between him and Edge? I think they had a match at Backlash. Kurt won, then uh, Edge started the You Suck chance. Well, funny enough, that all started. That kind of started a lot earlier. It's the, when he inter- when Kurt Angle interrupted uh, Triple H's return, they started chanting You Suck mm-hmm. with it. So I'm guessing they must have took notice that they uh, went, were going. Did yeah. they think? You ever when Edge and Booker T feuded over shampoo? I know he's a lot of hair related feuds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently that was maybe the hair of me here, because it was going to tie into the whole shampoo thing, but Booker didn't want to do it because he didn't want to get Edge because they knew Edge was going to go over. They thought, okay, who else has that? Neither needs their head shaved. Kurt, your hair's basically gone. Yeah, like <laughs> receding. Yeah, the, 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 big, the best thing about that feud is when he's showing him all the pictures and all the stuff's written on the back. Well, like, I suck, <laughs> I'm a dork, I'm a tool. <laughs> and I have no testicles, kind of thing. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, what, Dave? Uh, not me, Kurt. <laughs> That's a soundbite, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Take that out of context. <laughs> Please welcome our eunuch, ladies know, and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know Fifth Man was a Wayne's World fan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like that Wayne's World reference, actually. That's really good. <laughs> so, hair versus hair. Then, 2002. He's involved in the tag division a lot. He really does have a lot of ups and downs, ups and downs cut angle for his ups. When he's not involved in the world title scene, he has great matches, but it just sort of feels like he's an afterthought. I think he's the first person to make Hulk Hogan smack. 
That's it right, was, yeah. yeah. First person to make Hulk Hogan tap out. In yeah. that ridiculous wipe that I think uh, Hogan should have been wearing rather than Kurt <laughs> Yeah, I know. I love how uh, Hogan slagged anyone to when he was wearing extensions. There's <laughs> <laughs> a man in his 50s wearing extensions and he had a skullet. So bad. <laughs> but uh, he makes... He makes Hulk Hogan submit in a sort of nothing feud. He becomes the first ever uh, WWE, it. WWE Tag Team Champions, uh, which are the current um, titles we have today. First uh, time he won it as well, for the Tag Team Champions. Along with um, Chris Benoit. I think it was the only time he won it, wasn't it? That's yeah, right, as well. And that's how he became a Grand Slam champion as well. Yeah. yeah. Because he won the TNA one a couple of times, but he never, he never won the WWE one again. Uh, and then he becomes a Paul Heyman champion. Not just a guy, a Paul Heyman champion. Defeats the Big Show, and this leads into one of the best WrestleMania main events ever. He's feud with Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. It's so well done, the fact that even even the Big Show, even though he's a third wheel, he plays his part brilliantly. I think everyone in this feud deserves credit. Because he brought in, well, obviously, Team, team Angle, Charlie Haas, and mm-hmm. Shelton Benjamin, which was a great team as well, but... Yeah, going into that, you couldn't ask for a better sort of main event for both guys because both have very similar careers starting. Well, obviously they've got the amateur wrestling background, and then it's like their first run in the company. They were like WWE champion before the year was even out. Mm-hmm. So I think it showed a great confidence in both these guys because they were kind of younger compared to some of the other people on the card. But it chose these two main event that main when you had Hogan v McMahon. Uh, Triple H, Booker T, and The Rock Austin, like the final chapter. So, like any of those matches, give me I think that was probably the start of the whole several different main events, mm. even though it's only true, one true main event. Mm. But did these two went on last, it was a real testament to how they believed in both of them. Yeah, and I think we've mentioned it many a times here. We're having so many stats men on the show, <laughs> but it's the first WrestleMania main event to feature two men with their real names. Yeah, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yep. Although Brock Edward Lesnar, I think, I'd have preferred as a ring name. <laughs> what <laughs> about Kurt Steven Angle? It's just mad that just Brock Lesnar's parents were like, we're going to name this boy Rock and he'll become <laughs> a future WWE champion. Uh, so, in the lead up to this, he gets his second neck injury and I think this this sort of starts his downfall because he's such a company man. I think that's, sometimes that goes for you with things like Hair v Hair and King of the Ring and the Milk Truck. That Sometimes it goes seriously against you and I think... As much as a great main event, I think we would gladly sacrifice it if he maybe took a bit of time off. Yeah, because <laughs> you sounded unsure as if to go. I mean, I quite like this match. Because <laughs> like there was a backup plan apparently to have Benoit take his place, like and have Lesnar beat him on SmackDown. Because like there was a, I mean, there was one where he did the switch it, or it looked like uh, Lesnar just squashed him. A lot of people thought, oh, they're just getting the tail off him quickly, and then there's a dull sort of like, actually, no, the match is going ahead. So it like, showed they were prepared if he couldn't go, but obviously Angle being as quite stubborn for his own good, they'll soon see, wanted to go ahead. Well, the issue with Angle, though, is like it's, like, it's not just for main events and stuff, it's like every night he's doing that style, he's, mm-hmm. he's just constantly just, like, going out there just to make sure the fans are, like, getting what they're seeing that, yeah, but it's just not good for his body. Because he's like, what, how old is he at this point, like, 33? He's dead, he's yeah, because that's about 20. Yeah, years and he just, you can, you just can tell his body's just yeah, not 30. the same as he was yeah. when he started in 99. Yeah, I think he's actually, yeah, I think he's about 34 at this yeah. point. I thought you were asking what age he was now, like, he's not 34 <laughs> now. Yeah, he's he like he's 50 just now, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he would have been 33 at the time. It's almost yeah. like Robocop now, just how he has to move. He did mention that in the documentary as well about, you know, he's saying he was talking about like Mania of Mania. He said, for the sake of, you know, being in the WrestleMania main event for the first time and considering how well his 
his last two WrestleManias went, it was just sort of unannounced matches, but against two very credible opponents. But I think him going in as champion to main event, I think had he passed on it, I think he would probably would have regretted it. <laughs> but I, I think he knew he was going to go for neck surgery anyway, but he decided to take the chance and do one more match. And the way it turned out as well, you know, he got he got like an alternative fix from the usual procedure because you know again he's a company man he wants to be back as soon as possible mm. he's also the first man to kick out of the F5 was it? yeah this could have easily been a Tommaso Champ situation because originally Champ was also going to push through his one but obviously it got to like no you need the surgery now I think it we'll could have been it could have been it was like being the same thing where Angle like no you need the surgery now because I think he did the kind of aggravate me and me a bit worse because he takes a really bad bump and uh, Lither pushes him off and he gets angry and he lands and he grabs the back of his neck mm-hmm. So, uh, post WrestleMania, he says in the documentary, he's backstage having almost like a seizure. Mm. Brock Lesnar's concussed, he doesn't know what's going on after that F5. You mean the shooting star? Uh, sorry, the shooting star. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he hit the F5. For, see, I botched that just like you watched it. <laughs> I always feel bad for Lesnar. People always have a go at him. like, He's three hundred pounds and he can do a shooting star press. What can you do? I know it's like uh, funny because everyone stuff angle moved out of the way and it was like no, it just was so much force. Yeah, <laughs> I don't actually think, moved him. I don't think angle could move out the way at yeah. that point. He was like dead on dead on his back. You know, he was given everything for that match. Improvised last minute. It's bad he had so much muscles what saved him because if his neck muscles weren't in so much work, he would have died. Yeah, yeah, just unbelievable. Yeah, so he goes away for a wee bit and. We'll discuss when we come back from the break the sort of the wrestling machine persona, uh, some of these classic feuds, SmackDown general manager, and then his untimely release from WWE. But first, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to go get a glass of Cravendale with the boys here. <laughs> uh, and, oh, well, we're going to get some lacto free for Quacker. Uh, but here's Kurt Angle making Stephanie McMahon out of Dairy Queen. We'll catch you in five. <laughs> Now, boss Stevie James, the hardest part of the ring, Crowbar, we are the pubs, and you are listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Look at you, you make me so proud. Everybody's got an ECW, WW, WCW, Stone Cold shirt on. Everybody's flying. Uh-oh. What are you doing? What? What kind of shirt is that on your chest? What? What kind of shirt is that? What? Is that a Stone Cold shirt? Is that an ECW shirt? Is that a WCW shirt? What? I thought we were here to appreciate Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? I said I thought we were here to appreciate Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? Take that stupid shirt off. Take the shirt off. What? I said take the damn shirt off. You damn right it's your bad. Take the stupid shirt off. I want it. Whoa! That's Kurt Angle's music, but... My God, he, he wouldn't be coming out here in the... My God, what is that? That's, that's Kurt Angle, all right, but... It's a damn milk truck! Kurt Angle is driving a milk truck right up to the ring! Angle just put it 
Gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. My name is Ross McLeod. I'm joined by David Hockney, Andy Mitchell, Scott McLeod, and Kwaku Aji. We are discussing Kurt Angle, possibly one of the greatest men to ever lace up a pair of boots. We spoke in the first half from Gold Medal to WrestleMania 19. Uh, and before we move on to the wrestling machine and TNA post in his career, I want to send a big thank you to Stevie James and Crowbar of the Pudge. I recently interviewed them. You can find it now on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. Uh, also, thanks to Jack Morris of the 99. I know. Uh, we recently interviewed him. That interview will be available Easter Monday. Uh, that's the 24th. So while you're illegally downloading Game of Thrones and stuffing your face with chocolate, give Jack Morris a listen. Uh, so, moving on to the wrestling machine portion of his career, we talked about his neck injury. Uh, he comes back, he feuds with Brock Lesnar. I think this is around about the time of the greatest SmackDown match ever. Mm. The Iron Man match. We've talked about his ultimate smash match. The 60-minute Iron Man match. Uh, he wins the title at Vengeance. He loses it here. He, he becomes like the face of SmackDown at this point. Mm, Brock yeah. Lesnar's Vince's like corporate champion. Right, we talked about this a lot in the uh, uh, history of SmackDown episode we did last year. And we talked about guys who represent SmackDown and during this time we thought SmackDown, you thought of a guy like Undertaker, but you also thought Kurt Angle. And that was it. Because like we saw the day, that day day was Kurt Angle. I forgot the next point. <laughs> <laughs> I had a longer point, but I forgot the next point because I was too busy eating. Well, well, Scott thinks of his point. David, would you like to make a point while Scott has yeah. a brain fart? No, yeah, this this is where things started to sort of pick up for Kurt Angle. I think his move to SmackDown was probably the best thing for his career. You know, he sort of made a name, you know, becoming uh, one of the first tag team champions uh, amongst, you know, the SmackDown 6 as well. Like, they had outstanding matches uh, on pay-per-view that time. Some were even better than, like, sort of the main title feuds. But I think... 
no, the, the pinnacle of, you know, how good he was, was that Iron Man match. And what I'm surprised is that, why did they give this away on free TV? They could have sold, like, so many pay-per-view buys with this kind of match. Don't ask, don't tell. Just enjoy it. Ratings. <laughs> they ratings. Wanted, uh, the ratings were obviously lowering, but it was also to do with the fact that all hands were on deck because they were worried about Raw's ratings. Mm. And Paul Heyman was basically just told, don't annoy us, do whatever you want. So I think Paul Heyman just went... I quite fancy a 60-minute Iron Man match, why not? <laughs> I think I was going to say a little bit the whole Lesnar feel like around that time they were the two guys like, each man's most noble food for that time and it started off weird because they were kind of the thing where they're all the best pals at first for Lesnar say to Brock and there's a weird dark segment where they both square off and then Lesnar just grabs Angle and just kisses them Oh, yeah. yeah, that was. Oh, there was also that bit where they were backstage, and then Angle's drinking his big gallon of milk. Brock <coughs> pats him on the back, and then he spits all over like someone backstage. Like they had a really, they had a lot of really goofy segments uh, yeah. with them too. They had a real Austin and Angle. But I just don't think it suited Lesnar. You know, Lesnar's this, this like absolute killing machine, and yet he's acting like a bit of a joker. No, I, I, I think it was something different. It's fresh. I think it was weird to see Lesnar that was part of the because Vince basically goes up to him like. Who are you? Why are you doing this? And he essentially slaps them. That's what turns Lesnar back to the intense like, beast, for lack of a better term, that we know him as. Uh, it's as if Lesnar's becoming tame and he wants to, like the AJ Styles segment, I'm going to get the real AJ Styles and he slaps him. <laughs> so, WWE title feuds in 2003, and then uh, in 2004, he starts becoming a bit more of a heel again, you know. Uh, and he begins a feud with the late great Eddie Guerrero. So he beats John Cena and Big Show at No Way Out 2004. And this, for the second year running, he gets a, a WWE title match at WrestleMania. He's starting to get good, notable WrestleMania marquee matches that suit someone of the talents of Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this feud was uh, arguably one of my favourites as well, considering that, you know, he was, again, sort of drawing on his, like, I'm your role model, I'm superior to you, you should be cheering for me, I'm setting an example for anybody. And he was referring to, you know, Eddie was a, a drug addict, you know, he'd made a lot of poor choices. And, you know, that somebody like like someone with his lifestyle shouldn't be representing the company. Whereas him, you know, he's been, you know, acting like, like I said, acting like a role model and he should be representing the company. Yeah, because yeah, like, they're both great wrestlers, but character-wise you couldn't find two people who are more opposite because Angle was like the All-American, he believes doing things the right way, which he, his way, which he believes is the right way, and he didn't think Eddie was all light, she didn't see the thing as a guy who should be representing the company as the champion, and his whole vendetta against Eddie pretty much was his whole story for like, the remainder of 2004 when he was a wrestler and when he was like on his on-screen role when he was injured, he was always out to try and screw over uh, Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, and and he became SmackDown general manager. Do you remember the segment that led to him becoming general manager? Um, I remember it was after the draft, and he comes out to Triple H's music, and then he says it because Paul Heyman quit. So he got. So do you, do you mean when he was in the wheelchair? Yes, when he was segment? in the wheelchair. Oh, sorry, and uh, Big Show was pissed off and uh, choked yeah. him off the side of the. I can't remember, but he was, he was on top of the tears. And uh, chucks yeah, he chucked him off, chucked him off <laughs> a balcony, yeah. Yeah, that was it, yeah. Yeah, this led to possibly one of the... I laughed so much at this segment because it was meant to be so sincere and as if Kurt Angle's world is falling apart. Because who's Big Show holding it first? Tori Wilson. Tori Wilson, yeah. Hall of Famer Tori Wilson. There's a whole, <laughs> there are two Hall of Famers in this segment and she's one of them. Uh, <laughs> he brings Tori out to, like, have a go at her 
because he's in a wheelchair now that he's general manager because Paul Heyman quit and that's what Sandy said how he got the role and he just yells at her he's tears in his face and he yells because of you I can't have sex with my wife anymore <laughs> and it was just it was just, it was so out of place because it was like we've got Kurt Angle as this goofy guy like this abstinence guy Kurt Angle doesn't have a wife Kurt Angle doesn't involve in relations you know and he just yells I can't have sex anymore I just my god what no, is this no, you, you, you saw where on Judgment Day he had his assistant Luther Reigns is that uh, Robin's older brother distant <laughs> <laughs> relative but he comes out and Luther Reigns goes to Judgment Day to Kurt Angle's music and he's pushing this massive like box and everybody's like what the hell is that and just from out the box raises Kurt Angle and he's in wheelchair and then he calls it Tori Rossini because he's going to put her in a match and if she loses she gets fired then Tori awkwardly has to skirt round this big box because it's taken up the majority of the aisle <laughs> So he eventually loses the SmackDown GM job. Uh, La Luchadora's big brother. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. El Rey Luchador. El Rey Luchador. He basically yeah. ran off WCW. Uh, black match, um, he cost Eddie Guerrero the WWE title more but than once. This was actually the very first WWE clip I ever watched. What, like JBL vs Eddie in the Steel Cage. This was a weekend we had a. I'll not go too much it, but we had a, a family uh, tragedy and I was only young. So all the Waynes were getting ferried about to like whoever could watch them and cause we all liked wrestling and this was the week of this match. It was like, I just sit the wrestling room for the Waynes, I would look, sit down, the adults need to deal with adult stuff and mm. I've seen this match about 14 times and it was all just that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> One house, two house, three house, put the wrestling on, please God, no! <laughs> uh, at least we got the frog splash off the cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince McMahon chases him about the ring with a crutch. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Gargano and Champa. See, you you said about um, The Rock saying to him, uh, what happened if the Alliance won? What would have stopped you staying there? What happened if he really was like crippled or injured like, and Vince McMahon just throws a crutch at him? Like, that's a lawsuit. This was a just weirdly arranged that there's a scene in American Dad where he stands on jury duty and there's a guy trying to do it because he says he has to keep care of a kid, but it turns out he's got a fake like balloon that he put down a kid and Stan takes the knife it and stabs it to prove it's not real and goes, What if that been a real baby? He goes, he just crosses his arm and goes, Sometimes it is. Moving swiftly on, we had Further matches with Eddie Guerrero, he eventually beats him at SummerSlam. Uh, he then gets in a feud with the Big Show, where he shoots him with a tranquilizer dart. Oh god, <laughs> a bloody tranquilizer dart. But that was actually when Big Show made his return, they were in, like, him and Eddie were having a lumberjack match and Big Show literally just destroyed everyone. Yeah, yeah. Ted Long was uh, GM. Right, his favourite GM. Yep. Alan's least favourite GM. Yep. <laughs> if I've got Alan's not here, it's a disagree. And it was like... Teddy Long gave Big Show the choice to face either Eddie or Angle and he actually, well, he signed Eddie's uh, contract for the match but then he snapped it in half and then just signed it in Angle instead. I thought that's a heck of a twist. Yeah, I love this thing because they tried to misdirect you by saying Big Show returns in two weeks later that same show and, uh, then, and then he just does a mass brawl, he comes out and, he, and Michael Cole, Michael reacted like, what? He's like, well, wow, this is breaking news. Like, mm. Michael was still hard at conveying emotion even back then. Uh, he still hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the big show came out, you get excited. Yeah, like, there's a big show in my pet. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was part of the revival, he went hard all day all night. For God's sake. Um, yeah, because the lead up to it was like Big Show returns five weeks, Big Show returns four weeks, and then it got to two weeks, and it's like, oh, let's just have him. No, screw this, let's just jump the gun here. Uh, he shaves Big Show bald, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> when you mess with Kurt Angle's sex life by throwing him off a ledge, <laughs> you get your head shaved. <laughs> no, the weird thing was, he's he even this weird half haircut, mm-hmm. and then 
Big Joe gave this whole thing as if he'd been violated, like, I had to shave the rest of my hair as a reminder of what Kurt Angle did to me, like, he cut your hair. I know. Your hair wasn't that good to begin with, you probably needed a haircut. Yeah, it was like Samson, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, his power was in his hair. Yeah, and he's, he's, Big Joe's still bald now, like, yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't grow it back, so like, what was the problem? No, that's the funny thing, he actually did grow it back by the time he went to ECW, and then when he went away for a bit, he was bald again. Yeah, so, bald. I think he just accepted it, it was, in ECW, it was like, starting to, like, Go further and further and further and further back. Oh, at least it's that big, no one would notice. At least it yeah. wasn't as far back as like Undertaker's is now. Yeah. As the ECW ratings declined, Big Show's hairline receded. Well, he was carrying that brand. <laughs> uh, so he then stuck. After that, he has a classic feud with Santa Claus at Armageddon 2004. <laughs> yes, Kurt Angle had a match with Santa Claus. And then at the Royal Rumble, he begins a feud with Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah. Great match. Excellent feud. Great build Leads to a cross-brand match that Kurt Angle wins. His first WrestleMania win since WrestleMania 18. And it's an absolutely show-stealing match. Like People say Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania. I think if Kurt Angle had started a bit earlier and maybe been given the proper respect he deserves at WrestleMania, he could have easily taken that crown from him. Because this is third year in a row he has had an amazing match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You saw some of the segments... Uh, that led up to like Kurt Sammy's example of not being afraid to be an idiot or selling his off-age speech he mentioned scenes for this like he brought Sensational Sherry out and sang Sexy Kurt and then beats up Sensational Sherry he brings Marginetti back beats him up and all yeah it was a it was a weird feud he brings back like Shawn Michaels greatest hits and just like he just beats up everyone Shawn Michaels yeah, loves. He's, yeah, he's one step away from bringing out Shawn Michaels' dad and being up and all. I know, Dana, Shane McMahon. Uh, well, he done the ladder match where he said, that's me, I've won my first ever ladder match. So, well, you technically won a ladder match years ago, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, he then goes to Raw. It doesn't really work out on Raw for him. I, a lot of the problems I always say about this time when people get drafted to Raw, on SmackDown, the top guy on Raw, it was always Orton and... Cena on a different pedestal, mm-hmm. and then everyone underneath. Well, he was kind of being used as one of the big first big opponents for Cena. It was his job to help get Cena over, and he tried his best, but he didn't succeed. Then, don't, don't forget his uh, feud with Eugene. Oh, oh got it over the bloody actually. yeah, the Invitational over the gold medal. Uh, yeah, the Kurt Angle Invitational. He loses his medals to Eugene, and then has a cut. Eugene two years in a row had SummerSlam marquee matches one with Triple H and one with Kurt Angle Kurt yeah. Angle yeah, the fans booed on it and it was like shit. yeah and then immediately straight after Kurt Angle gets announced as number one contender because Jericho had left by that point because Eugene was number two contender after Jericho <laughs> and Kurt Angle <laughs> beat him can we talk about this weird promo kind of New Year's resolution in 2006 where he said essentially tried to prove he can say it and people still cheer him like, like wishing America would lose in Iraq he said his favourite country was frantically to make Jesus tap out. Well, so he had the various his uh, manager. Yeah, he'll yeah. do everything to, in the power to get. And he said, he said, he said in big quotes, "I'm not a fan of the black people." He yeah, says. he said he's not a fan of blacks. He wanted to make Jesus tap out. <laughs> he wanted America to lose the Iraq War. Classes always wins. And what was what was the other one? He thought France was the greatest country and in the world. France was the greatest country in the world. I get the biggest boo as well. <laughs> he was racist, he disgraced the troops, he was, you know, anti-Jesus. And then, and then because he said France is the greatest country in the world. Jesus really like crucifixion sales and, and bloody ECW nearly turned him off wrestling. Like. I know, but... And uh, re- remember, like, a few months prior, you know, he had that feud with Booker T and Charmel, and oh, he wanted wasn't that. after? No, oh, it, was, it was pre before he got yeah, uh, drafted yeah, across. Yeah, have bestiality sex with him. Beast- yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody who doesn't know what bestiality is, <laughs> right. or they really don't like the look of Charmel. 
So he moves to he moves back to SmackDown after sort of a forgettable run on Raw. Becomes world champion. His great match with Mark Henry and Undertaker, and then he loses the title at WrestleMania to Rey Mysterio again. Bit of an afterthought here. It's yeah, a match for probably nine minutes or something. Yeah, it it was a marquee match, but I think this was like this really annoyed him. This was w- one of the factors of his release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember it was a big shock when he came over because like we I think we just seen him on the Raw. Yeah, but it's not a SmackDown, so everybody knew he was a Raw guy when he came out. Everybody looks confused, and also the feud again. He's an afterthought in the bottom. Actually, it's the main thing was between Ray and Orton because. Or was trying to disrespect Mary very well to get under Ray's skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the best thing about him winning that world title was his match with uh, Undertaker at Nowhere. Yeah. That was a cracking match. With Taker showing lightning at the Rumble and made the ring fall <laughs> yeah. apart. Yeah, they had to make that match the main event over the Rumble because Undertaker was going to collapse the ring. <laughs> Pretty sure Dean Ambrose is one of his, dro- his druids. I think I've seen that. That's uh, right, yeah, he was. But yeah, that finish at No Way Out, you know, I think that's the only way they could have gone, you know, with a, a bit of a screwy finish, but well, it was somewhat justified. The original idea was to have him do it at Mania, but, but Kurt Angle didn't want to break the streak out of respect for Taker. So, he goes to ECW, I, I feel bad for everybody involved here because they get a pick from Smack, uh, from Raw, he takes RVD, he gets a pick from SmackDown, he takes Kurt Angle. Heyman's delighted he eventually after... After that moment in 96, 10 years later, he's gotten Kurt Angle in his promotion. And at this point, we'll not go into detail, but his personal demons had sort of taken over. Vince wanted him to get help for his injuries and take time off. Well, he asked Vince for a... so so he can have a lighter schedule, but he said no. Aye, because they said to him, take time off and take time to heal and then come back. But they weren't willing to commit to a full-time lighter schedule for him. I think with a company like WWE, you can see the point because they are on the road that year. Mm-hmm. But they did what we should say to their credit: they did offer them rehab and plenty of time to heal. Like come back when you're ready was the open. You see Vince McMahon crying in the documentary when you have someone. There's only so much you can do to help someone before they just say, "I don't want to be helped." Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he leaves WWE and sort of a sour note, and he turns back up in TNA a couple of months later. I'm going to ask you, was this Kurt Angle's prime? I don't know, I never really watched TNA, so... Yes and no, because like, it's weird how quickly he's wrestling TNA right after leaving WWE. We always talk about his whole no-compete clauses and all that, but like, yes, and that he had great matches. He was already a bit worn down by this point because of injuries, and unfortunately the injuries would get worse because he was keep going at that same sale as you talked about, Andy. Like, for him, it was like, it was give everything or don't do it at all. Still doing moonsaults from a steel cage. No, yeah. He, he was definitely one of the most influential figures in, in TNA. Mm-hmm. Like, he'd set up a couple of stables. He he actually broke Samoa Joe's unbeaten run mm-hmm. in TNA. He so held it, three titles at once. Yeah. He held every title at once. I was going to say, it wasn't his fault, but he was one of the examples used of her, to really show how much TNA valued outside talent over their own. The fact that a main event went off air with him holding every belt in the company. Yeah, because he had the IWGP Championship yeah. due to their partnership with Japan. Mm-hmm. And then he won, even won the tag titles himself. And then he's, <laughs> then he would lose two of the titles in the next peer review and then retain the world, like again, for multiple times. And recently he actually lost the IWG bit to Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, it's so a match we would have loved to see in WWE, but unfortunately. Yeah, he'd, uh, he also had a few in, IW, uh, in New Japan, I don't know if anyone's seen it. He beat Brock Lesnar for that yep. title. Yeah, yeah, I remember him fighting that as well. We mentioned that the Brock Lesnar show as well. Yeah, he makes Brock Lesnar debuted his rubbish tattoo. Uh, he's big, his big cock sword, yeah. 
I am the sword master. <laughs> uh, he makes Brock Lesnar tap out, by the way. That's not something you're going to see in the WWE highlight. Deal. And he appeared at Wrestle Kingdom as well. Kurt with the bill. Mm, he appears at a Wrestle Kingdom. It's, it, it's Scott Sage, yes and no, for the fact that he's, he gets worse as he goes on. He deteriorates. It's unfortunate to see. But at the same time, when he first comes in, those matches with Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, the likes of... Like, he fought Sting, that's like a dream match. With Jeff Jarrett. Seeing WWE, the blood feud with Jeff Jarrett. Oh, that was his best feud, yeah. forget, because he changed his name to TNA, but Nigel McGuinness and him, when Nigel was Desmond Wolf, they mm-hmm. had a great series of matches. Yeah. I forgot how many times... Like, I not forgot as in I didn't look it up. I mean, I lost count how many times he faked retirement in TNA. I know. He's like Mick Foley. It was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to retire. It was like the top ten list. He made his way through everyone in the Bound for Glory series. He got to the last two, and then Jeff Hardy wins the world title. It was like, surely you should retire then? Like, him, I, him and Sting kept doing that a lot, especially in like 2010 onwards. Did, did he announce his retirement in a salmon suit? No, so Mark Henry still has That's always the warning sign. <laughs> no, no, if it's a salmon suit or like when Ric Flair wears red, you know you know he's losing. If it's a salmon suit, you know they're not retiring. Or if someone comes to WrestleMania getting played live, they always lose. Aye. Except for red, me at 22. But a lot, a lot, a lot of love, like I said to you, like some of the ridiculous ways Wrestle try to get around copyright from stuff that when they leave WWE, Kurt Angle changing it's true to it's real. Which, which lacked the same impact as... Yeah, it, it came up to like a rapper singing. Like, Aye. It, it doesn't well, suit him. Well, bad enough they tried to remix his very his music when he went to ECW, then they made it even worse when he went. To- yeah, yeah. yeah. The ECW remix took out the bit where it's meant to be used up. Yeah, yeah it's to stop people doing it. And stuff. It's like when Shinsuke changed his theme. Yeah, to stop people singing. The they still yeah. did it. Yeah, it, it, well, went, well, it doesn't work with you if you go tour in Japan because they'll all understand it. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of times he hinted that he wanted to come back to WWE. I think WWE just kind of wanted to stay clean because he did have a lot of personal troubles here. He had a lot of a lot of uh, outside DUIs and drug-related incidents. I think WWE, with post Ben Moore scandal, didn't want to bring someone like Kurt Angle broken down back in case not not a severe Ben Moore incident, but you know a serious incident where someone just breaks down in the ring. Uh, well, those incidents like that, I think, that made them more strict with their testing and athlete wellness and all that. So I think it's because they learned, he said, from their mistakes. That's why they didn't want him back. So Andy, I know you. I've not really seen much of yeah. TNA, uh, but Scott, I'm going to come to you because you watched TNA sort of yeah, sporadically. Uh, favorite feuds in his time with TNA because I I didn't really watch TNA because I watched WWE at the time, and this was also I had a blip where I didn't yeah. watch wrestling at all. I'd say the obvious ones is between AJ and Joe. You talk all day about those two, but I think them are there the most obvious ones. But I think as I mentioned there, the Nigel McGuinness or Desmond Wolf, whatever you want to call them, feud. Is one of his more underrated highlights because, like, that was like post Mayor Mavium, post him going his main feud with AJ. So, like, this was kind of a middle period where he wasn't doing anything, so I think it gets overlooked by a lot of people. I think, in terms of drama, though, I think, well, the one that really always stuck out with me in his feud in TNA was his one with between his ex wife Karen and Jeff Jarrett. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he brings in China for a mixed match challenge, for a mixed match at, was it Victory Road, I think it was? Yeah. Sacrifice, yeah, or Sacrifice, yeah. Uh, I don't know why, that, that just keeps coming back to me because there was. There was an element of reality about it, mm-hmm. and I think when you always bring that into a wrestling storyline, it does create a bit of drama, it creates a bit of gossip, and everybody's talking about it. And that's the one, you know, as long as people are talking about it, 
you'd consider it a success, wouldn't you? You always talk about weird, like, weird ways, like, do they do, like, storytelling? Like, it, they constantly had Jeff Jarrett beat Angle in that feud because Jeff Karen kept getting involved, and then in the last match, Karen was, was taken out, so, like, it's just me and you now, and he beats them. The weird way they take Karen out is they have Kurt chase both her and Jeff up the steps, and Jeff accidentally knocks into Karen, she goes tumbling in a set of stairs, and that's how she's written off TV, like, Actually, you nearly killed your wife, and now I'm going to fight you in a wrestling match. I know. Uh, like, I think Jeff can claim I was, a, I was kind of grieving at that point. <laughs> and then they just have it like five minutes, and they two shout each other before merits come. Like, this is awkward television. Can we cut away from this, please? Mm-hmm. It, it, it was like you know some scheme in Glasgow. <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> Charlie, your dad, your dad squared up to your mom's new boyfriend again. Double <laughs> against this. Yeah, they, they mentioned the kids quite a lot in that feud. I thought that was a wee bit on, uh, on the verge of tasteless, but the matches themselves were really good, minus one move. Because I don't know if you remember this around about 2011, as a signature move, Randy Orton started using yeah. the angle slam. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And Kurt Angle took offence to this and said it should be a finisher. So to disrespect Randy Orton, he started using the RKO as a, as a sort of transitional move. Again, as good as he is at wrestling, he could not pull off an RKO. It's honestly, it's the worst thing. Picture the Vince McMahon, the first Vince McMahon stunner, yeah. where he just kind of falls. That's what this RKO looks like. It's absolutely horrendous. I've seen him do the RKO, but yeah, it's just a bit, it's just really awkward and weird. Like. Yeah. I mean, is it kind of like you know, Jeff Hardy's twist of fate stunner in a way? No, it's not even no. that good. It's, it's just. It's basically it's crap. He just, he just like falls flat. Really. Google it, basically. But I remember Chris Hero when he got originally released his first one in NXT. Take it, stick it to WWE. He'd do the pedigree on his knees and have his opponents kick out at one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we go on his return to WWE, he leaves TNA. He's a Hall of Famer. He's won every title they've got. He, some all at once. No, some all at once. He had a, a brief tour of the UK Indies scene, he wrestled for Rev Pro, he came a Glasgow's own ICW. Mm-hmm. He main evented Fear and Loathing 9 with current WWE NXT UK star Joe Coffey. That, that's weird to think Kurt Angle was an, I, an yeah, ICW totally right. he, faced, uh, he faced Joe Hendry in Defiant Wrestling as well. He, yeah. faced, he, he, had, he actually had a really good run, see for as much... It, it got bad press WCPW just because of the YouTube involvement yeah. at the time. But the actual feuds Kurt Angle was in with Cody Rhodes and Joe Hendry and Del Rio mm-hmm. were actually really good feuds and they were really good quality matches. I love Joe Hendry, like he does his custom entries. He did one for his match with Angle to the tune of uh, Born in the USA and the song was not as good as Joe Hendry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's broken uh, January 2016. Kurt Angle is going to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, Gonna ask you quickly: Is there anyone that's ever deserved it more, just from a purely wrestling standpoint? Don't think so. No. no Probably, but I can't name them right now off the top of my head. Well, that's a no then, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, a uh, we do the Hall of Fame. John Cena inducts him. We get the big WrestleMania pop at thirty-three. The you suck, and we think that's going to be it. And then the next night on Raw, in possibly the most underwhelming way to introduce a new general manager, minus the Terry Long part. At all. <laughs> I was hoping, I was hoping I was hoping. I think we all just kind of went, because I think everyone was like, Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle. It's a Raw after media crowd though, uh, I think. You know, they, they know. Uh, they know. Uh, I think they knew Kurt Angle was going to be GM. And then Terry Long runs it and it's just like, 
any other week, any other week of the year, but just not tonight, no, Teddy. No, I want a Teddy. I know you want it, Teddy. <laughs> Although I say any other night of the year. Any other Wait, household te- except the McLucas household. <laughs> was Teddy Long not also in Kurt Angle's Hall of Fame class? Yes, well? he got inducted. Because he went, a Hall of Famer will be your new general manager. And they made it look as if he was a pure egomaniac that needed an intro. Uh, it was Vince that was announced I, as well. It, it was weird. Oh, just Vince doesn't need to do announcements like that anymore. Because so, oh. I know. Never mind. Raw GM was sort of hit and miss because mm-hmm. he was flubbing these lines a lot. He couldn't say WWE, it was WWE. <laughs> he, did, he did start out well, like he had a fun saying when he first night with Enzo and Cass, but he did this spell, that spell, and then he walked away and he goes, That's not how you spell soft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, and I seen straight out of Family Guy, my black son, Jason Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Jordan is bomb. <laughs> Jason Jordan, who is. Not young enough to be cut Angle's son. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing that was holding it back. Oh, I don't. I, I know we mentioned Brooklyn Nine Nine a lot in this show. We mentioned Brooklyn Nine Nine a lot in this show. It's like the scene where Charles Boyle meets his adopted son's older brother, and you see it, and it's just this guy for like the sort suburban wilderness with like a big beard. He's in his forties, like. Yeah, you're not my son's brother. I'm not adopting you. <laughs> uh, it's a shame that Jason Jordan. It started off kind of goofy. It worked quite well because Jason Jordan was sort of manoeuvring into that arrogant heel who was using his daddy to get ahead. It was a shame he got injured. I th- would we like to have seen that as a maybe a WrestleMania match? No, I feel like it was a bit of an afterthought because everyone was hoping it was Chad Gable because that made yeah. Yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like Jason George just kind of fell flat afterwards. I mean, why even break up American Alpha? They were actually mm-hmm. doing all right at the time. I remember Jason, uh, Chad Jables tweets like, "Wait, so am I not in a team anymore?" Yeah, <laughs> uh, poor, poor Chad's been like. And then Daniel Bryan came out and said that Chad Gable was his son. Yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> I did like when Smackdown well, Smack, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. I did like when Smackdown invaded Raw and then Chad Gable got to see Jason Jordan for the first time since it went straight forward. Oh, it's the <laughs> ah! Is it yeah, it's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> My girl, Angle Son! Remember there was one where Jordan was teaming with Seth and they were the Raw Tide Chance of the Rumble and they run into a shell and mention Chad Gable and someone tweeted it like, so it's awkward when you run to your, your ex and their new boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you say Chad Gable made more sense. I just pictured Triple H with a Duloc wall chart with a picture of Kurt Angle going, this is why this doesn't make sense. This is why this makes sense. Vince, I know you find it funny, but are you seeing why people don't believe this is real? Vince, these cows are small, but the ones out there are far away. <laughs> and the worst thing is, Jason Jordan, like, I think it was like NXT the year before they won the tag titles, like NXT Dallas or something. Yeah. Jason Jordan's actual dad was in like the front row. <laughs> His actual dad's in the front row. And then on SmackDown, the last SmackDown of 2016, when American Alpha won the SmackDown tag titles, Chad Gable's wife and daughter and family are in the audience. And so is Jason Jordan's. And they actually do, it's on the WrestleMania 32 weekend documentary, you see Jason Jordan's real parents. Then you see them on SmackDown. Then there's a YouTube follow-up video with all their parents. So it's like, it wouldn't have worked by either. You see Jason Jordan's dad, you're like, is he spitting image? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the worst thing about that angle was? Like, well, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> the the build-up to it was actually quite intriguing because he's like, oh, I've got this really big secret and stuff and I think oh, if, it's it, cringy, if, man. If, it, if it comes out, it could really affect my career. You think, okay. And then this happens. You think, 
Is that flat? Is it not? No, it's... I just like nobody tries to blackmail him afterwards. Like, what was the point in sending these texts then? Yeah, it was never reviewed. Never reviewed. I think it was like implied. McMahon's locked box or something. I think it was implied with the lead up and the sort of survival series thing that it was Triple H and Stephanie blackmailing him because they weren't happy with his back. But uh, just a quick question because we will discuss who we'd like to have seen Kurt Angle retire against. Had Jason Jordan not been injured, would you like to maybe see Jason Jordan retire, Kurt Angle? Maybe. No. I, I don't know. It makes sense. It makes the really sense, I think. Yeah. So Scott says it makes sense. You're a maybe, but yeah, it makes yeah. sense. I would no. What were you clicking? Uh, yes, because the build. It's all about the build up, to be mm. honest with you. And the yeah. build, I, I will say, the build was really good. Mm. The sort of spoiled daddy's boy, and when he was doing the stuff with the shield. He was like the nerd that didn't know he was a nerd. He thought he was cool. It was like when when you invite your dad along to your like night out or something. Yeah, so we're going to touch on that next. Uh, his return to the ring was sort of a last minute thing due to a meningitis outbreak at TLC 2017. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Angle returns to the ring as part of the Shield. It doesn't really fit. Your dad taking you to Laser Quest with his vest. He is on Team uh, Raw for Survival Series again. Mm. I think this is when we start to see Kurt Angle deteriorate a bit because we we mentioned these good matches on the indie scene. This is when I think we started to see this is maybe why they're not letting you back yeah. in the ring just yet. When I heard that he was the announcement, I was like, surely, surely he's going to come to the ring and something's going to happen. He's just mm-hmm. not going to be a part of the match. And then I actually seen him wrestle, and it was just not the old Kurt Angle because, like I said, he moves like Robocop because he's like his neck's off here yeah. and stuff. And his knees are all were all given out. It's, well. it's kind of like I'm glad he's doing what he wants to do, but oh my, I can't really watch this because I don't want him to get hot. Kind of thing. Angle actually came out recently in a Q and A after his match with Corbin about why he's he went he kind of deteriorated when he came back because like we all thought like before then he was having that tour in the UK fought Joe Cole, he fought Saxony Bar Junior and Red Pro like and he looked fine. And then suddenly he's a hero, and he claims that his body like, wasn't not wrestling regularly. His body started to tense up in the months where he was out, and he started to deteriorate a wee bit. And that apparently claims that he thinks this rusty's retirement. Mm. See, I I don't buy that for the simple fact. We saw him when he was wrestling every week on Raw and SmackDown. It was almost it was bordering on dangerous at times. Yeah. Mm. There was a few DDTs and suplexes that weren't quite safe on the likes of Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. You remember that Survivor Series team as well? Like it was very sort of talent heavy that would help sort of carry it in a way because yeah. you had what, Triple H, Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, and Finn Balor. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the closest we would get between Kurt Angle versus Shinsuke Nakamura in the WWE because they were on opposite teams. It was nice to see like Kurt Angle, Rude, Kurt Angle, Nakamura, Kurt Angle, Cena one more time. Triple H, Rude. Yeah, but and <laughs> all these Kurt Angle style matches, but I think the whole McMahon drama ruined it. Mm. Uh, so. We talked about his WrestleMania retirement tour. Baron Corbin, we've talked about it endlessly in the past few weeks in the lead up to Mania and on our Mania shows, which you can check out at Suplex Retweet, Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes. Uh, who would we have liked to have seen him retire against? John Cena. You think John Cena? Yeah. What about you, Andy? Probably. Uh, Triple H, just one. Triple H, Scott. Uh, Gable. Gable? Mm-hmm. I think Gable would have been a good one had he been the son. Because yeah. the weird thing, like, the whole thing everybody wants him to fight Gable, and on the same night he announces he's fighting Baron Corbin, he, he has a throwaway match on Raw against Jack Gable, and I'm never saying to you, like, this feels like they got the script reversed, like, no, Kurt, you're meant to say Gable at Mania and Corbin tonight. <laughs> it's almost as if the, the, the whole TLC 2018 and then uh, the Christmas Raw uh, 
where they announced the, the new year, mm-hmm. that sort of felt like the end to the Corbin feud. Mm. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they, they didn't really need to pick it up again. Quacko, if you had your choice, who would you maybe like to see them retire against? I'd probably say maybe Triple H. I'm going to go with my man here, right. Triple H. The reason I say Cena is because it all stems back to the Ruthless Aggression promo, yeah. where John Cena had his first match against Kurt Angle, and obviously John Cena inducts into the Hall of Fame as well. I, I, I just feel like it would have been, yeah. been full circle and it would have been very suitable and then Cena like mm-hmm. gets the win but I can see why people maybe didn't want to do that because like oh it's just Super Cena he's uh, he has to win because people with a complaint yeah. yeah I know but then I think they would have <laughs> I think they would have preferred to see that than Baron Corbin no, play, no play this out. is a thing you say that but I bet you I, 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 I will yeah. bet you my like, car I'll bet you everything I've got if this was to happen exactly like that Cena beats him everyone would be complaining yeah. do you know what I think I actually might have saved it though economic Cena. No, no, no nothing, nothing would have. Nothing would have. See, don't we see in the weird shorts he wore when he first fought Andrew Woodhead? See, I think, like, obviously we were all complaining, oh, why? Maybe Cena would have made sense when Corbin got announced, but I do agree with Baku. Had Corbin not been announced and we just went, John Cena will be his final opponent, mm-hmm. it would have been all oh, part-timers at WrestleMania, all oh, we've seen yep. this millions of times, all, yep. oh, you know, what's the point, blah, blah, blah. People complain. Yeah. Barmy would have actually rather his last match been the mixed tag the year before with Ronda because he didn't look the best there, but at least he didn't have to do all the work because he could tag Ronda and Ronda got a good show. And so he, his last match, also being her first match, would have been nice. Yeah, because it would have been like him entering her, her sorry, uh, her entering one, him. One thing um, when career begins, another ends. Yeah. But, and again, it comes back to the argument, though, I think Sarah said it before. If you're going to retire, you go out on your back. It's an old school feeling. I know, yeah. Yeah. And it was her, all the her getting thing over Stevens so it wouldn't have mattered if Angle had won yeah I think uh, something I'd like to see because I, I think part of the fun of wrestling is the anticipation the build up and the, mm-hmm. the guessing what could have happened I think see retirement tour now they kept announcing he'll fight Samoa Joe and Raw he'll fight AJ on Smackdown blah blah I think see if he had a bunch of open challenges like a Ric Flair style one where it's like yeah. if he loses he mm-hmm. retires and he gets to Wrestlemania and he puts out an open challenge and we see the debuting of the main roster of Pete Dunne. I think that would have been amazing. Ooh. It, it was something, it's new, I'm not even going to say like, oh, I thought about that leading up to WrestleMania. I thought about that, like I do many things on this show, <laughs> on the bus ride and I just sat there and went, Pete Dunne would have been good because they had the open challenge thing with Ric Flair a couple of times. I think if we did that with Kurt Angle, the, the matches that weren't as good wouldn't have felt as bad because like oh my god it's Samoa Joe and Angle in WWE it's Samoa Joe and AJ in WWE yeah. he'd have got the nostalgia feeling mm. and I think the fact that he put over Pete Dunne on his first night would have been yeah. a good mm. thing and people probably would have forgotten that time where he's met him just some Pete Dunne's music plays Angle comes in and announces Pete Dunne like you can hear his music playing I know I missed his cue <laughs> and uh Actually, you could even done an even better thing for WrestleMania to be swapped around a couple of matches, like put Drew in with Kurt and have Baron Corbin get beat by Roman. Like, get a big win for Drew, mind you, one Claymore, one head, but too hard and Angle injures his bloody neck again. Because there was, like, there was that sort of feud between yeah him and Drew, you know, Drew absolutely decimates him and puts him in the ankle, actually makes him tap out with the, with the ankle lock. No. I think we would have liked to maybe seen him get revenge on him instead of Corbin. Yeah. Because yeah. like we said, the Corbin one felt like it was finished, whereas the 
the Drew one actually had a bit more had a bit more guts to it, yeah. So we're going to wrap up in just a wee six, but before we do, I'm just going to go quickly around the panel. Favorite cut angle match and or feud, Scott. Uh, it's between the ultimate submission match and the main event. Main idea, I can't choose between the two. They're too good. Okay. Uh, probably favourite match is the uh, WrestleMania 21 one with uh, Shawn Michaels. Favourite feud probably uh, Brock Lesnar and Superman Yeah, I agree with Andy. The WrestleMania 21 match was probably my favourite. And favourite feud probably feud with Benoit. Fuck it. Yeah, I'm agreeing with Andy. Andy, so we've got three with Andy and Scott is the weird child in the corner. I'm going <laughs> to go... <laughs> like the three eyes. <laughs> we all say that. <laughs> uh, I think favourite feud I'm going to go with Stone Cold during the Alliance mm-hmm. and I think favourite match just because I've watched it so many times is the six man Hell in a Cell I love, I love a multi-man carnage match so on that note that's our shows ladies and gentlemen don't forget to follow us on all social media at Suplex Retweet uh, you'll be able to find us uh, using that on most listening platforms for Android iTunes Spotify and Anchor uh, join us next week when Sarah Grieve hosts a panel of myself, Stacey Smith, David Campbell, Gary Kernahan and the EP Kwaku We'll be talking wrestlers and mainstream media. Did you know there was a former world champion that appeared in Home and Away? That they got... <laughs> no, it was Neighbours. Na- oh, it was Neighbours. That they got... I had Neighbours and then I changed it to Home and Away. <laughs> that the Godfather features a former NWA tag team champion. Sabrina once fought a member of DX. Shredder was once played by a multi-promotional world champion. Find out this and more as we delve into all things mainstream featuring wrestlers. Until then, I'm Ross McLeod. I've been joined by Scott. Thank you. Andy. Cheers. David. Thank you. Quacky. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing, I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions, get on it right now!